For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business, doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be. And I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. I think it's really important to have a conversation about burnout. I think it's time that we acknowledge the potential for burnout in our entire industry. I don't know about you guys, but this season has been a bit wild. It's been a bit crazy. We have broken some of our normal boundaries that we've put in place many years ago in order to try to be accommodating for people. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me get really specific. Okay, so many years ago, I can remember doing, oh, I think I counted like 40 some weddings in a year. And some of you that are listening maybe are still doing 40 weddings in a year. For me, that was far too many. I felt on the verge of burnout. I felt like I couldn't keep up. I felt like I barely even knew who each couple was when I would show up to their day. And I wasn't even sure if I had a timeline for them or if I knew all of the moving pieces, the the dynamic. I didn't feel like I was able to serve them well. So many, many years ago, I kind of set a boundary, pretty hard rule for us where I said, okay, we are not going to take more than one wedding in a weekend. That just feels like too much. It feels too intense. It feels like like we're not serving ourselves well, like we're not caring for our own bodies, our own lifestyle, the way that we want to, having a work-life balance that we desire. And it's also not serving our clients very well either because I felt like I was showing up scattered and distracted and just not able to care for them well. So throughout COVID, the way that the pandemic has affected our business, you know, we had so many clients move their wedding date. All of that was an interesting thing for us to navigate, as I'm sure it was for you. And one of the decisions that we made was, you know what, it's going to be a year, 2021 is just going to be a year where if we can pack it in for people and we can make those dates work, then we will. Because we were feeling that lost income of 2020 with all of the cancellations and the postponements, and then recognizing that all of the wedding dates that had moved to 2021, even though our calendar was full, that we had no additional income coming in, you know, no new promise income. And so we just kind of made a commitment to ourselves after a lot of conversation and said, you know what, for one year, we're going to kind of break these rules and not maintain that boundary and just kind of make it work for people. So when people migrated their dates and they needed to move it, and then even for new people booking, if it was possible for us to do it, then we would take it on. So that meant a number of double headers 
it has also meant for me personally, my normal workload, the comfortable range for me is like eight to 10 weddings a year. That is my max. I won't take more than that for photo. David will do more than that. And then of course we have a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into the education side. So we're able to supplement our income that way as well. But for me, eight to 10 weddings feels really peaceful. It feels really comfortable. It feels really good. Now this year, (laughs) I think we've counted 27 weddings that I've photographed. It's been wild, you guys. It has been insane. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I am right there in the trenches with you trying to figure out how to navigate all of this with ease and flow and grace and and also setting myself up for a wonderful year next year, a year that feels really aligned and good. I've also learned some lessons this year throughout that experience. Some of the weddings that we have taken, some of the weddings that I photographed, I feel like as I've encountered them, I feel like maybe they weren't aligned. Like maybe I accepted the booking in a place of scarcity, in a place of feeling uncertain because of all of the the financial shifting that was happening throughout the pandemic, throughout 2020. And so probably said yes to certain weddings that really weren't aligned, really weren't the ideal fit for me and, and my business. So there's been some real opportunity for growth and kind of recalibrating my alignment in my own business in that way. So if that resonates with you too, I would like to encourage you to to join me in making sure that we really commit to ourselves that next year will not be the same, that we're not going to let this pattern continue because it's really easy once you open the gates for something to kind of break a boundary or take on more than what you want, that it's really easy. That just kind of snowballs and it tends to just kind of continue to escalate until you hit a burnout point, until you hit a breaking point. Sometimes that can come in a physical sense. Sometimes it can manifest in many different ways throughout your business and throughout your life. And I want to prevent that for you. So I'm here to kind of begin the conversation right now. I think so many of us are on the verge of some form of burnout, fatigue, exhaustion, stress, overwhelm. And I think it's very possible that our industry as a whole is really at risk of experiencing incredibly high burnout rates. And I want to change that. I want to help prevent that. So let's begin maybe by describing and defining what burnout actually is. I did a little research in preparation for this podcast episode, and I want to share some of my findings with you. According to helpguide.org, burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant demands. Some of the other articles and research that I did talked a little bit about kind of the balance, getting out of whack of the timelines in which you need to accomplish something or the stress level outweighing your love or your passion for what you do. That it's almost like that gets out of balance and out of whack or out of a rhythm or cadence and it all gets thrown off and it can accumulate. Another person described burnout as this accumulation of stress where it just has built and built and built to the point where you aren't able to kind of process or release that stress. So it can begin to kind of take manifestation in physical signs and symptoms, like feeling tired and drained all the time or a lowered immunity, frequent illnesses. It can be frequent headaches or muscle pain. It can even be change in appetite or sleep habits. You might be on the road to burnout if every day feels like a bad day. If caring about your work or home life seems like a total waste of energy or you're exhausted all the time. If you wake up every day and you're like not passionate about your job anymore, 
you created this business, you created this dream of entrepreneurship and you're no longer excited about it, that you just feel like you want to throw in the towel and give up on all of it, then you might be on the road to burnout. The majority of your day is spent on tasks you find either mind-numbingly dull or overwhelming, or you feel like nothing you do really makes a difference or is appreciated. If you find yourself agreeing with those and feeling like some of those are true, then it might be a good sign that you are on your way to the burnout. And it might mean that we need to take a little pause and and take some precautions to prevent that. Here's some emotional signs and symptoms of burnout, the sense of failure and self-doubt, feeling helpless, trapped, and defeated, detachment, feeling alone in the world, a loss of motivation, increasingly cynical and negative outlook on life and decreased satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. Behavioral signs and symptoms of burnout, withdrawing from responsibilities, isolating yourself, procrastinating, taking longer to get things done, using food, drugs, or alcohol to cope, or taking out your frustrations on others and skipping work or coming in late and leaving early. People experiencing burnout often don't see any hope of positive change in their situations. If excessive stress feels like you're drowning in responsibilities, burnout is a sense of being all dried up. And while you're usually aware of being under a lot of stress, you don't always notice burnout when it happens. And that's why we're having this conversation here today, because I want to call attention to it. The first step of preventing or healing burnout is to bring acknowledgement, bring awareness to it. And so that's why I wanted to begin with defining it and really recognizing some of the signs and symptoms of it. At its core, burnout emerges when the demands of a job outstrip a person's ability to cope with the stress. I know that for me, when things start to feel busy, when things start to feel stressful, when things start to feel a little overwhelming, the very first thing to go out the window is self-care for me. It is the last thing that I should be giving up on. (laughs) It is the thing I should be prioritizing the most. And time and time again, my sweet therapist, Amy, has called me out on it and lovingly challenged me, said, what are you doing for self-care right now? How are you caring for yourself? Where in your life are you putting yourself first? How are you giving time and attention to the desires, the needs that you have instead of just meeting everybody's needs? For me, it tends to be this like spiral you know, like I feel overwhelmed with like what's going on in my work life or in my personal life. And then all of a sudden I'm feeling overwhelmed with maintaining our yard. You know, I had projects around the house I wanted to do. David and I love to landscape. We love to plant plants. We love to pretend like we're really amazing (laughs) at landscape design. And so we just experiment a ton. We have different projects, like building different, different structures, decks, outdoor shower. Like we just love to like try to make our home feel this like cozy, amazing, like dream dreamy place that we just want to hang out. And so it feels like we always have projects going on. And so once I start to feel out of whack or out of balance in one area of my life, like if work is feeling overwhelming, then I find that all of a sudden the things that were life-giving in my yard, in my house are all of a sudden feel even more of they're adding to that overwhelm. And then I feel like I'm failing with my kids. I feel like I'm failing my husband. We're not getting enough time together. And so then my own priority, the self-care becomes the very last priority. When in fact, I've seen it to be true when Amy has challenged me like that to really question, like, where am I putting myself first? The moment that I just kind of like put the brakes on all of it, whether my to-do list feels a mile long and it feels like a mountain that I'm never going to be able to tackle, whether it feels like 
I just feel like a failure at everything and I just want to give up on everything. I want to give up on my business because I'm just so overwhelmed by it. Whether I want to give up on weddings and I start telling David, you know, like maybe I won't be doing this for long. All of those for me are major signs of burnout. And I found that when I feel that, if instead of trying to just lean into doing those things, like tackling the to-do list or marking them off, if instead I stop and I go do something for self-care instead, for me, that could be taking a, a long bath with a lot of salt in the bath. I've been a huge fan of like Epsom salts and really like allowing that to kind of cleanse whatever, cleanse the energy, cleanse your body, relax your muscles, like all of it. I, I don't even know energetically and physically how that all works, but I find that it, it does really help for me. And so baths can be one, getting out in nature, going on a hike, alone time, journaling, meditation, yoga, all of these things that take time. So it's an investment in time, but the return on that investment is always double, triple, quadruple what I put into it. I also find one of the symptoms for me is when I start going to food, when I can tell I'm not actually hungry right now, but I'm emotionally eating and I know it. I will literally catch myself in the middle of it and go, I don't even really want this. I don't even, I'm not even really hungry, but here I am grabbing this because I have some kind of feeling, some kind of something that's unprocessed and this is bringing me comfort. And I'm learning more and more in my life to give myself grace with that, that I don't need to shame myself for wanting to find comfort, that that is a very natural thing when things feel out of rhythm, out of a cadence. They feel a little overwhelming, exhausting, you know, when fatigue and stress are, the cortisol levels are, are spiking and things feel really high. It's very natural and normal to want to turn to comfort. But I find that that can be a symptom for me of it as well. In another study, there's a neurologist in the Department of Women's and Children's Health at the Karolinska Institute confirmed that the brains of individuals suffering from burnout don't just function differently. Their very structure may change. Isn't that wild? That your brain can actually structurally change. It's not like you're just experiencing burnout. It's actually physically changing your brain. The results suggest that this emotional turmoil of burnout leaves a signature mark in these brain structures. The frontal cortex, a brain area essential to cognitive functioning, begins to thin as a part of the normal aging process. But patients suffering from burnout showed more pronounced thinning compared with the others, the controls, the people that they were measuring against. The normal effects of aging were also more prominent in the scans of the burnout group. Other brain structures also showed signs of wear and tear. Burnout patients appeared to have larger amygdala and shrinking in the caudate, which correlated with their perceptions of workplace stress. Okay, so what does that mean? Let's break that all down. Basically, if you begin to experience burnout, it is highly likely that it will actually affect your brain structure. It will affect your aging. So yet again, another reason to make sure that we are trying to put safeguards around making sure that we can prevent burnout. Burnout is the accumulation of not practicing enough self-care throughout stressful or busy seasons. And this has been a busy season for all of us. I think all of us are feeling that pressure of that. October, the fall season here in Asheville, North Carolina, is always one of the, the biggest, the craziest that we have. And this year, that is just Oh man, it's just like on steroids. It's just exponentially more than even normal. And it's normally pretty crazy. Passionate workers are more in danger of experiencing burnout. That is another fact that I discovered. So the more passionate you are about your job, the more at risk you are of experiencing burnout. 
One of the reasons is that they're pressuring themselves to do more, sometimes at the expense of their mental health. Hello, does that ring true for you? Because it certainly does for me too. I put a ton of pressure on myself to do more when sometimes the best thing I could do is do nothing or maybe go lay out in the sunshine and just let the sun hit my face, you know, just soak up the stillness of being and doing nothing. (laughs) Like what if we were celebrated? What if we gave ourselves more permission to just be instead of to do, to find our worth in just who we are, the simple fact that we are here on this planet and that we get the privilege of seeing and enjoying and experiencing a big, beautiful, bright world instead of feeling like our worth comes from validation in what we do and what we can offer. If you're feeling at all disconnected from work that you love, or if you have physical symptoms like headaches, if everything's just feeling like too much, please, please, please let this be the nudge that you need to take some time and space, clear your calendar. Nothing is actually that important. Well, maybe show up for the weddings that you have booked, the events that you have booked, but clear everything from your calendar that you possibly can to heal or prevent burnout. So what can we do to prevent burnout or heal from it? First, commit to recovery. You have to make a commitment to yourself that you are going to put your recovery, put yourself first and begin to pursue that. I would recommend journaling. You know, I'm a huge fan of that already. And just see what do you need? Ask yourself. I don't know if you've heard me talk at all about inner child work, In one of the therapy sessions that I've had, one of the therapists in our group coaching program in the mastermind that I was in had us do this exercise. It sounds and feels kind of wild and crazy, but it is so profound and so insightful. And I want to hand you this tool today. So what you would do is you will actually sit out a chair in front of you, an empty chair. I'd highly recommend finding a quiet private room so you don't feel crazy in front of other people because it is a little wild. It's a little crazy. Just find a place that you feel really safe and secure. You feel comfortable. You're not worried about somebody walking in on you. You're not worried about somebody overhearing you talking to yourself. And you're going to set this chair out in front of you. So If you want to take it up a notch, you can even print off a picture, an image of yourself, the younger you, maybe five years old, six years old, seven years old, printing off any image of yourself as your younger self, your inner child is who we're going to be dialoguing with. So you'll actually set that in the chair in front of you. Again, you guys, I hear this and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm crazy. They are going to think I have gone insane. (laughs) But bear with me. This tool has been, I've had some really amazing, beautiful experiences using this throughout the mastermind experience. So I hope that it will be helpful to you as well. So you set that chair in front of you. And if you have a specific question, you can come with that. If you don't have a specific question, that's fine too. You're literally going to sit there and close your eyes. I like to close my eyes at least. I don't know if everybody does, but sit in the chair across from the chair that has the picture of your inner child. And you're just going to ask yourself that question. If you have a question, you would ask that. If you don't, you can just ask, what would you like to talk about today? Or this feels really crazy, but I hear this could be helpful. Or I'm scared of burnout. I can feel it coming. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. How do I prevent this? Or what do I need to change? What do you need, little version of me? Just asking your inner child what he or she needs. What do they need to feel safe, secure? What do they need for healing? How can they guide you 
and support you as you begin to heal burnout, as you begin to heal stress, as you begin to lower the cortisol levels, as you begin to reform neural pathways in your brain that help everything come into place and feel supportive to the kind of life that you've always dreamt of living. And then what you do is after you've asked that question, you feel like you've gotten a question, you sit down, you get up physically, you go and sit down in the chair with the inner child, with the image. You can hold the image if you want. You can set it down next to you, whatever you want to do. And then you just sit down in that space physically and then you start talking, you respond, and then you'll basically begin a conversation and you move back and forth between the two chairs. You'll sit in one chair and then sit in the other chair and you're moving back and forth, essentially having a conversation with yourself again. This sounds insane, I know, <laughs> but you're going to sit back and forth. And you guys, some of the, the the deepest healing that has come for me has come from doing a practice like this. And I'm not going to lie, I can't believe that I'm like publicly admitting this because it's basically like I'm just telling you that I just sit here and talk to myself in private. But it is a really, really, really beautiful skill to begin to develop a relationship with that inner child. I think so many of the wounds that we have in our life and the actions and the the opportunity for growth that we have in our businesses and in our lives, personally and professionally, often are rooted down into some sort of belief that we formed when we were between the ages of, it can be all the way as early as like two to like 12. Typically it's like five to 12, somewhere around there. And so having a relationship, forming a relationship with your inner child and asking him or her or they what they need, what they want, what do they need to feel safe? What do they need to feel secure? There's been times where I've like like envisioned my inner child, like coming and and giving me a hug or that the adult version of me now has given my inner child a hug and physically just feeling these sensations of healing and of release and of light and hope and good flood my body, even physically, like in those moments, it feels so wild and crazy and insane. But you know that I am here for whatever journey of healing and growth and freedom and love and light that I can find. And so I'm hoping that me sharing vulnerably this crazy tool with you will enable you to have a new skill set, have a new tool that you can use to bring healing to yourself as well. So committing to recovery, whether that's journaling, whether that is doing some inner child work, some exercises like I just mentioned with the two chairs, whether that is exercise, exercise can be a great way to interrupt those patterns, to just have an endorphin boost. Everybody knows endorphins feel amazing. And so exercising can be a great way to do that too. Cutting off distractions. Like if you know that you have things and maybe you need to kind of like thin out your workload, there's things that you do with your client workload that you're like, I just need to thin this out right now because I just need to get to a place where I can have the time and space to really heal. So cutting off any distractions in your workflow, but also cutting off distractions in your life. You know, maybe that's certain social obligations that you have and it's time to say no to them. Maybe there's some that are coming to mind right now, even as I say that, where you're like, I've committed to that and I know I don't need to. It's something that I could certainly cut off. So that can be another one as well. Another one is to pay attention to diet choices. Like I mentioned, I know for me, that's a huge thing that I turn to is I start to just kind of give up on trying to eat in a way that really feels good to my body. I will just start eating anything and everything that I want to, even when I know it doesn't feel good. And I know that I will eat sometimes even when I don't. And so there's, you know, the 
The physical manifestation of that, of course, is with the extra pounds, the extra weight that comes along with those choices. For me, noticing those choices, you know, as I'm making the choice to eat that is the first thing, just like recognizing that you might be on a path to burnout, recognizing that you're making a choice that is not in alignment with what you actually desire, what you long for can be a huge way to kind of interrupt that pattern that is the path to burnout. I really want to encourage you guys to lean into your feminine energy and rest a ton. You know, the feminine side, the feminine energy, it is so full of just being and resting and playing. I really want you to think about how and where in your life you could begin to play a little more. Where could you invite more rest? Where could you invite ease? Can you schedule an entire day to just simply be, to do nothing, that the rule for the day is to do nothing, to accomplish nothing, to just simply be, and to learn to be in your own presence as well? Can you cancel any commitments today? Is there anything on your calendar, anything coming up for you that you are like, it's just coming to mind right now as we're saying, as you're listening to this, as I'm saying it, that you know, I need to cancel that. Or could I cancel that? (laughs) Maybe it's a question mark. Maybe it's even plans over the holidays or it's a holiday party or a gathering or it's a book club or who knows, whatever it is that might be coming to mind. Is there anything that you could cancel? Can you begin to thin out your obligations, your commitments to commit to recovery? Because I think committing to a season of healing a season of rest, a season of recovery after such an intense season like this one has been for all of us, I think is one of the greatest keys to preventing burnout long-term. I don't just want to end it with some abstract thoughts. I want to actually give you a little more concrete information about the neuroscience of what actually happens with our brains and how they function as we hit burnout. This comes from the online library, Wiley.com. I will link this in the show notes if you want to read more about it and understand where this information is coming from. I'm just going to read you through background, objectives, methods, results, and conclusion of some studies here. Background. Burnout is generally recognized as a work-related stress-induced condition associated with memory problems, fatigue, a sense of inadequacy, and depressed mood. Neurogenesis, the formation of new neurons in the human adult brain, provides a newly discovered dimension of brain plasticity. Objectives. In a novel theory, we propose that the failure of adult hippocampal neurogenesis may provide the biological and cellular basis for altered brain plasticity in stress-related syndromes like burnout. What does that mean? It means your brain is literally changing when you experience burnout, and we don't want that. Methods. A number of recent studies have shown that the rate of neurogenesis in the adult hippocampus may provide an important neurobiological correlate to the symptoms of stress. Results. As of yet, the normal physiological function of new neurons in the adult hippocampus remains unresolved, although a number of studies and reviews indicate the importance of neurogenesis for memory and learning. Conclusion. In line with this hypothesis, we propose burnout to be an exponent of stress-mediated decrease in adult neurogenesis, leading to a decreased ability to cope with stress through decreased hippocampal function, possibly involving a disturbed hippocampal regulation of the 
hypothalamus, <laughs> the HPA axis. <laughs> oh, that's like too much science for my brain, but I don't know about you. I love hearing that there is some beautiful science, some supportive evidence behind some of the theories, some of what's actually happening, even if, you know, I'm not the best at communicating the words with it either. It's to me, it feels really supportive. It feels really validating to understand that burnout has actually been termed a medical condition. It was named that many years ago. And it's interesting to me to discover, to notice, to witness that there is science behind what's actually happening in the human brain. There are five stages of burnout. I want to read through those and then we will end this one with sending you on your way to make sure that you are safeguarding yourself from burnout, finding some self-care. The first is the honeymoon phase. The second is the onset of stress. When stress begins to increase, the third is when stress becomes chronic stress. So this is the third stage of burnout. It's marked by the change in your stress levels. They go from motivation to experiencing stress on an incredibly frequent basis. And when you get to that point where stress becomes like super common, then that's where you would be moving into the third stage, which is chronic stress. Oftentimes people experience symptoms like anger or aggressive behavior, apathy, chronic exhaustion, a cynical attitude, decreased sexual desire, denial of problems at work or home, feeling threatened or panicked, feeling pressured or out of control, increased caffeine consumption, increased alcohol or drug consumption, lack of hobbies, missed work or deadlines and targets you just don't care anymore, (laughs) persistent tiredness in the mornings, or maybe it's even physical illness. Maybe it's coming through your body with feeling sick all the time, that your body is telling you, you need to stop. You need to take a minute and shut down and, and rest. Maybe you are finding that you're more resentful or you're socially withdrawing from friends and family. It's funny to me because one of the symptoms can also be one of the ways of healing. So I would actually say perhaps withdrawing from friends and family can be a supportive thing to move into healing and really having alone time. Or for you, it might mean that you are an extrovert and you need more friend and family time and withdrawing is actually not supportive. So I would just say lean into your intuition on that. The fourth stage is actual true burnout. This is when those symptoms become critical. Continuing as normal is often just not possible when you get to the state. When you're in true burnout, you're just like can't cope. We all have our own unique limits of tolerance, and it's key that you seek intervention at this stage if you are in true burnout. Number five, the fifth stage is habitual burnout. The final stage of burnout is habitual. It means that the symptoms of burnout are so embedded in your life that they are likely to experience a significant ongoing mental, physical, or emotional problem as opposed to occasionally experiencing stress or burnout. This is burnout syndrome. It's chronic mental fatigue, chronic physical fatigue, chronic sadness or depression. That is what I do not want you to experience. I want to prevent our industry from doing that. If you are feeling burnout, please reach out to me. Please DM me or email us at hello at almondleafstudios.com. We would be delighted to be a friend and a, you know, somebody that can walk alongside you as you work into recovering. We have a couple beautiful communities of other people, other wedding professionals, wedding photographers, creative entrepreneurs, and just beautiful humans who are on a mission, on a journey of self-discovery and healing, just like I am. So we would love to connect you with them as well. Feel free to DM me on Instagram at Almond Leaf Studios. It's at Almond Leaf, or you can reach out via email as well. If there's one thing that I know to be true, it's that you were born to be a creative. You were born to 
enjoy this life, to live with peace and love and harmony and happiness, that true, deep, lasting joy can be yours. That stress and overwhelm and fatigue do not have to permeate your everyday life, that we can protect ourselves against that, that we can prevent burnout, we can prevent chronic stress and fatigue. And so I leave you with this today. Choose one thing. Don't be overwhelmed by all the things that need to happen or letting preventing burnout be one more thing that you feel overwhelmed by. Instead, choose one thing, one action that you can do today to interrupt the patterns that are leading you towards burnout. If you can interrupt it and change it, transform it, turn things around, you have the ability to turn around everything. What are some safeguards and limitations that you can put on next year to make sure that as you start to receive all of the bookings, as engagement season opens up and all the increased come flooding in, that you're not just saying yes to it because you feel like you need to? How can you protect and prevent the same thing from happening next year? What are the boundaries that you want to put around it? Choose one thing today. Let this marinate. Go on a long walk go on a hike, go on a run, go do some yoga, journal, meditation, whatever it might be, something that feels good to you. And let this sink deep into your subconscious and begin to process what this looks like for you. How can you prevent burnout today, this year, and moving into all the years ahead? I hope this was helpful. Thanks for hanging with me. If you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember, you are enough. You are love, you are light, and you are worthy simply because you exist.